Plastic right. Man. And there's there's even a point where he hears people yell Plastic Man on the street, and he's not he's long past the point where he's thinking maybe they mean me. No, he knows they mean the guy in the red. I did bring all the prezes with me. Prez? Prez, the teen, first teen president of the United States. Um, a, a rather earnest young man named Prez Rickard becomes, and with a name like that, how could he not? He becomes the first teenage president of the United States. There, this is a this is the issue right before he has to fight vampires too, which I was not a responsibility. <laughs> I was aware the president had, but apparently it's rather important. Now, what is his superpower? Like, what what kind of president does he make? Well, he's he kind of fits in that Doc Savage Batman mold, where he's mostly a very well trained human. Um, he's taught by his, uh, I hate to say this, his stalwart Indian companion, um, how to develop the uh, the all important Indian tracking skills, and thanks to his Indian companion Eagle Free's menagerie of animals, he learns the uh, learns several animal skills. Helping teach Prez Record how to be fast as a, an antelope, swing like a monkey, fight like a bear, I guess. You know, I've always thought that, that the United States presidency would be so much more effective if the president had the powers to communicate and control the animals. Well, that's one thing that Prez proves. It's that uh, there's nothing that the president couldn't solve with two fists, an Indian companion, and a small army of birds and elephants. <laughs> If you were to explain to people uh, the characteristics of a bad comic book superhero, there are uh, yeah, there are obviously a lot of ways you can screw up. Um, one of the ways is to just overdo it and uh, and cram the the elements of the character down the reader's throats. Uh, one of the the characters was Bee Man, and everything about him was bees. His full name was Barry E. Eames. Uh, he was attacked by mutant bees, which were sent to Earth by space alien bee people. And he himself became a mutant bee person who had bee powers and lived in a hive and ate honey and stole gold because gold looked like honey. And he could sting you. <laughs> there is nothing bee-related this man refused to do. It's if you, you, you meet somebody at a bar, you start talking to him, and you realize he only has one interest in life. Uh, that's exactly what Bee Man was. It, everything would have gotten back to bees. You start talking about what you watched on television last night, he'll say, you know, I saw an interesting show on bees. You know how there are certain um, stores, uh, like in a neighborhood, and no matter what business moves in, they always fail? There's just mm -hmm. one after another after another. Are there certain powers that when people try to give them to people, it's just inevitably a formula for, for, for failure? Uh, there's one power that never survives on its own, and they always end up enhancing it, and that would be shrinking. Now, why, why would that be? Because you know, that conforms to the rule of, of, of there's, there's something intuitive about that that anybody can right. understand. You get small. There is something intuitive about that, but then you also realize that all right, you're small. Now I can take you. And, and usually the power that they'll add is is what kind of thing? Like what kind of things will they add to the little guys? Well, usually the one they get is you get to keep your full human strength. Um, they like to give them something relating to being small. Uh, Ant-Man has the ability to control ants. And again, as I say it, I realize that's probably not much better. Well, I was going to say like, yeah. Well, he's, as strong, he's as strong as a guy and here are some ants. 
He would just invade the picnics of supervillains. <laughs> Do certain um, comic superheroes come out of particular um, moments in the nation's history? Positively. Um, that's another thing that, that really works against a character is when they're tied in too tightly to a fad or uh, tied in too tightly to something that is identifying an era. There's a character created in the 70s but who was supposed to be a retro character from the 50s name of 3D Man to help hook up on the 3D movies that were a craze in the 50s. Terrible, flat character, nothing going on. <laughs> and when you say 3D man, what was his power? <laughs> he, um, he had a, a magical pair of glasses and uh, had the strength of three men. And that's it. He was the strongest three people. The fastest three people, whatever that means. Probably three <laughs> times faster than a human being. I, they always describe it's it as... So as something as so much as three men, but I don't see how he can be three times as or be the, have the agility of three men. They there's just three guys who are agile. It doesn't make any sense. I have a little trouble with three D men. Part of the problem with uh, with just naming off the superheroes or going through their powers is that on the face value, there's not a superhero who doesn't seem silly. Um, because you have to get to a point where the man's wearing a costume and he's driving around fighting crime. Then, then where does the line come where they rise above that? Do you have a theory on this about what makes a good one and a bad one? I have sort of a half-formed theory. I know that one of the things that really um, helps a superpower get over with the audience, get over with the readers, is uh, if it's something they can apply to their normal lives, perhaps by way of fantasy. And that's, I think, why super strength, super speed... Um, and vulnerability or just general toughness are often so common. If you can get on the court with it, get that super accuracy and get a slam dunk from midcourt and, and really just school over somebody, then that's probably <laughs> a superpower you want. Um, you know, But when you start getting into powers like um, one character who had magnetic eyes of superpower, which is a little too esoteric to even understand, yeah, I don't even understand anything you yeah, say. It. What does it mean? Magnetic eyes I, of superpower? Yeah, in his first appearance, he announced that he had magnetic eyes of superpower. They would they would illustrate little beams coming out of his eyes, making metal things shoot right at them, which would be terrible in a room full of forks. <laughs> Jonathan Morris, who brought a few of his 15,000 comics into the studio. Search the internet for Gone and Forgotten, and you'll find his site. Blossom here. What? Mojo Jojo? We'll be right there. Buttercup, Bubbles, let's go! Or the Wonder Twins. You may remember hearing something of this story in the news about a decade ago. 
how in a civil war in Burma, the Kren people's guerrilla army, God's army, had these two twin boys with them, starting when the boys were just nine years old, Johnny and Luther Hattu. Finally, they came out of the jungle, smoking cigars, and looking much younger than their 12 or 13 years. But for a while, many people believed that they had superpowers. Jason Bleibtreu reported on them in Burma. He says there's actually a legend that preceded their appearance. The legend of the twins uh, had to do with uh, Burmese mythology. And uh, the mythology was when the Karin people, which are an ethnic minority, when uh, when things were really tough for them, uh, two twins would uh, twins would appear. The twins would have magical powers, and uh, they could uh, save them from um, from from bad from from evil things. And what superpowers did people believe they had, Johnny and Luther? The twins at one time claimed, and also uh, their followers claimed that the twins were able to uh, command uh, ghost armies. Each twin had uh, 200 to 300,000 soldiers that they uh, could command. And when uh, when the fighting got tough, they uh, could call on these ghosts, and the ghosts would come to support them. Other other, uh, mystical powers were things such as um, bullets would bounce off of them, or if they were struck by uh, shrapnel from a landmine, it would bounce off of them. Jason, in the course of your reporting, did you meet people who claimed to have witnessed the twins using any of these powers? Oh, yes, certainly. Uh, I, I, I met uh, several people, many people. Uh, they told the stories about during meditation, the kids would be meditating with, uh, with the twins, and all of a sudden they'd open their eyes, and there would be an old man sitting there, and it would be, um, it would be the body of an old man, but inside it would be one of the twins. Uh, another one was they're going into battle. So one of the twins took his weapon, his M16, pointed it to the ground, and he fired 20 rounds. Later that day, his troops came back and uh, they said, we killed 20 soldiers. And he says, yes, we killed 20 soldiers because I fired 20 rounds into the ground. So I understand that that in the course of your reporting, you visited with the twins, is it twice while they were still out fighting? Yes. I visited um, with God's army uh, several times. And when you would ask the twins directly, you know, do you have powers, let me see the powers, would they answer directly? Would they say, yes, I have, I have these powers, or would they uh, talk around it, you know? They would talk around it, and I would push and push and push, and I would get answers like, yes, I have magical powers, but those powers only come out uh, in desperate uh, situations, like when we're in battle. I just can't uh, bring up the magical powers uh, just to show you. What was their affect? How would they respond? Were they embarrassed? What, what would they do? I'd push with questions, and then they would get irritated, they would get angry. And several times, uh, Luther lifted up a machete and then would, would, would threaten me with it. And uh, he, he, I, I could hear him through the translator. I would, I would get the translation, and he'd say stuff like, uh, this guy's bothering us, isn't he? Isn't he really bothering us uh, now? I don't think I like this guy. And so what were they like? Luther was uh, was quite shy, fidgety. Uh, he seemed to uh, lack uh, much uh, attention and, and strived to get attention. Um, Johnny is uh, more confident and outgoing, uh, 
both of them are uh, were were treated like like kings. Uh, both of them uh, rarely walked uh, on the ground. Most of the time, they were carried on someone's shoulders. Um, it's interesting. So, so then, in in their own little world, they they were they were sort of superheroes. Oh, certainly. Uh, one of the kids would bark out, "I want to smoke," and they would run out and they'd grab the cigarette and light it. Uh, he would want a lighter; they'd run and grab a lighter. He'd want something to eat; they'd run off and get him something. Uh, he wanted uh, to be lifted up; they'd lift him up. He wanted down; they would put him down. Um, they would bark out commands, and most of the commands would be um, heard to. How do you think it affected them? Did you get a sense of that? Certainly, Luther, he wanted attention. He was a boy who was who needed a hug. He was a boy who didn't have his mother around, didn't have his father around. There were uh, no uh, mother figures in the camp. They didn't want women there. And it just seemed like uh, he wanted uh, some affection. He wanted, uh, he would go from... Um, soldier's lap to soldier's lap, and he'd just sit in the, in the lap of the soldier, or he'd come up behind the soldier, and he'd quickly put his uh, hands around him and give him a little hug. At the point when they uh, surrendered to uh, Thai troops, uh, they wrote a letter to their mom, and, and the letter said, In Burma we were very hungry, but now we have food. The Thai army is looking after us. It is a nice life here. We want to stay with you. We miss you, Mommy. Yeah. They didn't enjoy being in the mountains on the run. Uh, it was a tough life. They weren't well nourished, and uh, yeah, they missed uh, their mother and they uh, missed their uh, their father. Do you think um, that the way the twins uh, came to power in this group, that a part of them believed that they might have magical powers? It's very difficult to say. They believed that they were special. They were treated special. I I don't think that they uh, that Johnny or Luther uh, believed that they had magical powers. Hmm. I don't know if 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 I were a young child and I were told that there was this legend that uh, I and my mm-hmm. twin were going to come and that we would have these special powers. A part of me probably would believe. Well, I, I don't have the power right now, but maybe in some circumstances I could. Yes, you, you, you have a point there, and it's quite possible. But I don't think that they believed that they ever uh, did something magical, uh, nor do I think that they were psychotic. I think that they were part of a con. When you say a con, you mean a con uh, by whom, uh, perpetrated on whom? Um, God's army, the, the, this group of the Karens, were down and out. They needed uh, some type of miracle. They needed people to believe them. I believe that they created uh, the Johnny and Luther uh, as um, claiming that they were gods, so they, they could con people into fighting for them, and they could intimidate their enemies. It's interesting, uh, you know, that for, first they, they, they try to win through uh, politics, and then through arms, and then when arms fail, they have to go straight to myth. Yes, that's true. They, they were desperate. They, they don't... They, <laughs> They don't have anything left. They don't have many fighters. They don't have uh, resources. They don't have uh, many weapons. And uh, it's, a, uh, it's a desperate act by uh, a group of desperate people. Did it work for a while? Yes, it worked for a while. And then the Burmese forces uh, were intimidated by them and scared of them. 
and uh, and believed this. So yes, and they gathered uh, a lot of support uh, amongst the people in the mountains. Jason Bleibtreu speaking to us from Bangkok, Thailand. Small boy walking through the woods Sees a castle or two Climbs a tower and he saves the land All by quarter to two Hour passes and he's tired of being king Dances on the moon and starts to sing he can fly to most anything. It's a superhuman thing. Well, our program is produced today by Alex Bloomberg and myself with the Blue Chevy, Jonathan Goldstein, and Starley Kine. Our senior producers, Julie Snyder, Seth Lynn's our production manager. Production help from Sean Wen. Adrian Mathewitz runs our website. Music up today from John Connors. Special thanks today to James Hall, Ka'ara Andrews, Seth Fisher, Adam Warren, Jason Bennett, Ivan Brunetti, Axel Alonzo, Spouse, The Band, Jason Cadell, and Seth Midens. Our website, thisamericanlife.org, where you can listen to any of our old shows for free or download our new iPhone app version 2.01. And where you can also this week find a cartoon by Chris Ware, who I interviewed at the beginning of the program. His cartoon about superheroes and their power over us is just beautiful, actually. Chris, by the way, is the author of Jimmy Corrigan, The Smartest Kid on Earth, and many other books. This American Life is distributed by Public Radio International. Support for This American Life comes from Kohler, dedicated to helping people save water without sacrificing performance or great design. For more information on how you can save water and support Habitat for Humanity at the same time, visit SaveWaterAmerica.com. WBEZ Management Oversight for our program by Mr. Tori Malatia, who told me back when he hired me. You have the ability to uh, walk around work, show up at one point, and perhaps like go away for a little while and turn invisible and then come back and listen to what they say about you. I'm Eric Glass, back next week with more stories of This American Life. Next week on the podcast of This American Life, little kids on a long car trip. I did not sing. He was lying. He lies all the time. Students being dropped off at college. I had everybody in the car crying my first time. A bachelorette party. The only thing I know is that I need flip-flops, a whistle, and something else. And everything else that happens at a rest stop on the side of the highway. And suddenly a clown truck filled with clowns cut us off. Next week on the podcast or in your local public radio station. I'm on the road again. I'm on the road.